Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of XYZ. XYZ Reflections from Early Childhood Education Professionals is brought to you by the Delaware Institute for Excellence in Early Childhood. We're so excited for you to listen to this episode. We got the opportunity to sit down with a very special individual. Dr. Whitney Williams comes to us with many years of experience in the field. She is currently the principal at Stubbs Early Education Center in Wilmington, Delaware, where she is loved by all. Her passion and dedication to the education of our youngest learners is evident in all that she does. We had such a great conversation, we couldn't fit it all into one episode, so we will be airing part two on October 25th at noon. Hope to see you there. So without further ado, welcome to Dr. Whitney Williams. So Dr. Williams, you are currently the principal at Stubbs Early Education Center. That's correct. Yes. Um, And so prior to that, tell us how you got to. Oh, my goodness. So where do you want me to be? I know. I want you to start from the beginning because we want to hear it all. Okay. So, well, I'm originally from Philadelphia. And so I graduated with my bachelor's degree from Temple University wonderful experience because my father happened to be the director of admissions at that time. And so my mother was a teacher in the school district of Philadelphia, actually happened to be my first grade teacher in her first assignment. So I come from a family of educators. And upon graduating, I went to the Chester Upland School District for a position in middle school, actually. So I had an aunt who was an assistant principal, And she was offering me a job uh, for my first assignment there in the Smedley Middle School in the Chester Upland School District with seventh and eighth graders. Ah, So I was reading as social studies teacher there. And it was quite an amazing experience, quite a challenging one. And one of the things that kind of helped shape my philosophy in and around this two generation approach, which they call it now, was that. I quickly realized that in that community, there were a lot of needs and the proficiency of the students was very low and I needed and wanted and thought to get to their parents. So always thinking that from what I had as a child and what helped shape my growth and development, that that had to be always what's important for children to be successful. And realizing that that is not what we have in our highest needed communities. And so I began to do what is now called home visiting back then in 1993. And so I quickly realized the deficiencies and the stressors that were existing in many of the families' homes. And it helped build this philosophy in me of always wanting to simultaneously help the family while we're helping and educating the children. And so that then began my path towards always having an interest in educating parents. And so as I then continued my teaching career in the classroom, I came from out of the seventh and eighth grade level and went down to elementary, kindergarten and first grade. And so that's where I began loving the art of teaching kindergarten. I came to Delaware in 1996, where I was a kindergarten teacher. And I was the one of the first ones, along with a colleague of mine, who had the first full day kindergarten classes here in this district. And so from there, I was an itinerant teacher where I traveled throughout the city schools here 
and taught writing and then moved into someone at a time, a title one supervisor saying, Whitney, you need to be a part of this parents as teachers program. Well, I always was a part of the Parent Early Education Center here in our district, and I was a part of the family literacy programs in adult education because I always loved working with parents. And so I then took that journey and was selected to be the coordinator at the time for the Parent Early Education Center, which tells the Parents as Teachers program, which is a national model based out of St. Louis, Missouri that had been adopted in our district and across our state in 1987. So I still have the privilege of supervising that program along with my now position as principal. And so along the journey of about nine superintendents, each time here in Christina, this is my 27th year, I have loved being in Christina. I love the diversity. I love the families. And I have had the privilege of having responsibilities of in Title I for parent involvement. The district at one time had an Office of Family and Community Engagement where I worked under the legendary icon, Mr. Maurice Pritchett, who recently passed away. So family and community engagement, parenting education has always been my pillar and what I believe is a priority for making sure that our children in our schools are successful. And so I had that responsibility And at the time of the former superintendent that was here in Christina and the reconfiguration of the schools here in the city of Wilmington, that superintendent thought that I would be the best one to be able to open this new model here as an early education center. And at first I thought, wow, really? I thought I was just going to do the parenting stuff. And he said, no, I want you to run the school. And so it was time for me to put everything that I had always done in my career now coming into fruition. And the wonderful part about that as well was I also was doing my dissertation on this model, not knowing that I was going to be leading the model. So it kind of just divinely worked. And I'll tell you that in 2019, where I took this assignment officially on July 1, this model also came with an extended year that the district and the state had agreed upon to do something different in helping our children So July 1, I took the seat. August 5th, teachers started. August 12th, students started. Yeah. So it was all seemingly a blur, but it was truly one of the most challenging and most rewarding experiences I could say in my career. I have had the privilege of working with some of the most outstanding and committed educators and passionate leaders across my time here in Christina from superintendents that I've had the privilege to work under, directors and, you know, other leaders, deputy superintendents. It's just been really such a positive experience for myself that I've learned so much, mentors along the way. None of this work we can do by ourselves. So in this particular school, I give total credit to our outstanding teachers, our paraprofessionals, our parents who trust us with their children and these wonderful children that we get the privilege to be a part of year after year. And so the mascot for this school came before I sat in the seat and the bumblebee, that black and yellow color just kind of came to us. And the bumblebee and its significance was so fitting for what it is that we were going to be about about to embark on here. And that, you know, the bumblebee and, and how it's actually sized and its little wings, it's not 
set to fly, but yet it does. And so that's kind of one of the things that we embrace here. So our children are our bumblebees and we as the adults are the beekeepers and we call our school the beehive. And so it has just been affectionately a refuge for us, a place of refuge, a place of support, a place of love. And we have the motto we've taken with, we are our brother and our sister's keeper, and we really mean it. And so it's not just us as a staff, but it's also our families. They are our brothers and our sisters. And so when you think of individuals as family, you will definitely care for them differently and you will support them differently. And so where there's not just an us and a we or a them, that we are a family And we have a goal to strive every day that we want people to feel very welcome here and that we want them to feel supported, loved, and valued, and we like to celebrate them. And so that's been the most successful part of what we have been able to do here. And I'm just really humbled and so grateful right now. You know, I have this view outside of my window and the wonderful part about it, we have recently had a pollinating garden placed here from the Habitat for Humanity, and they're out here pruning it and taking care of it. And it's just been so many other partners and sponsors that have helped support our children and our staff here from walking into the halls here. You know, when we first came into this school, it was kind of gloomy. Not kind of, it was. It was gloomy. It was dark. It was dirty. There were, it was a K through five school and there were challenges, you know, there was challenges, but there, one thing about this school community that it thrived in and around family community engagement, it thrived in community partnerships, you know? And so there were just those facility things that now this coming into being an early childhood center, something new that you had to really kind of make it look new and it had to feel new. And People needed to feel good when they were in here. And we spend a lot of time here. And so that was one of the greatest challenges. But I thank my Christina school district family and leadership from the superintendent's office to the facilities, to the technology, to Title I, everyone, my colleagues. It's just been a challenging journey, but a most rewarding one. And so I'm just thankful for having this opportunity to have all of what I've kind of done wrapped up in this one place and bringing it both a challenge for me, as well as the opportunity to learn and grow continually every day. I don't know how other than to say that when people ask or want to know, now I'm a mentor to others, that I tell them the importance of making sure that you build a culture and a community that is loving and kind and compassionate And, you know, as educators, we know what to do. We know we'll learn whatever it is that if it's a curriculum or, you know, if it's a program or initiative, but you have to cultivate love. You have to cultivate a community that's caring and clean, right? And so those things are important. And that's what we're grateful to have here at Stubbs. Wow. I'm tired just listening to your journey and your experience. (laughs) Amazing. So you had mentioned families and like that was kind of your big focus. And I did notice that there's a dual generation center at Stubbs. Now, was this your idea? And tell us a little bit about that because it looks phenomenal. Yes, it is phenomenal. And that was one of the initiatives that the governor happened to have a vision for. 
And so that was where the collaboration and the partnership came, that it was decided that this school would be the first site to have what's called a dual generation center and services housed here within the state. And so really there isn't another one like this along the East Coast. It's quite difficult to find. And so we were fortunate to be able to bring that vision to fruition. And Helen Anderson is the executive director of the Dual Generation Center. So she was selected by the governor's office to lead that initiative. And, you know, there had to be a vision for it. And so we heard the governor say what he wanted to have happen, but then her and I had to come together to be able to form and create that vision. And so now within our building on the second level, we have the Parents as Teachers program that came with me as a, as a part of what I was already doing. And so we also have Children and Families First here. We have the Adult Education, our district's Adult Education and Family Literacy program here. So we have people who are getting their GEDs and continuing their education. We also have the Department of Labor housed here now from the state. And we also have the Department of Health and Social Services that is housed here along with Delaware Guidance. We have United Way of Delaware's Stand By Me program. We have the housing program available for families. And it's just everything that would be needed if an individual would want and is ready to move into kind of progressing themselves, we can make that happen for them. And that's so great to have it all under one roof. And, you know, you're you're supporting the families and the children and, and helping the families to support their own children in their own homes and to better themselves as well. What a great space. I was just so, I read that and I go, oh my gosh, that's so many services yes. and so much that they provide. That's amazing. Meg, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was just, well, I was going to echo that. And then I was also going to ask Dr. Williams, I just love listening to you speak how passionate you are about kind of creating that with everything that you do at Stubbs and the Jewel Generation Center, and also just within your staff too, speaking about, you know, being each other's keepers and creating that culture of care and being each other's village. And so just hearing about that, and because it sounds like it was definitely a labor of love to kind of get the school on its feet and get it to where it is today. And especially on top of that, of course, you know, the last three plus years living through a pandemic, we would love to hear your thoughts within the lens of the pandemic. And then also just in general, how you are able to sustain that supportive community feel and culture, not just, you know, within your staff, but also beyond staff too, in terms of just, you know, kind of doing pulse checks on morale, because of course, it's been a tough go the last three years. Absolutely. That in itself, there was that day, March 13th, 2020, when we were all told that was the last day we were going to be in our building and we were going to see our babies here. Devastating, unbelievable in and around what was happening. And at that point, we were now no longer going to be together as a school community, as a family. And 
Who would have ever thought that at the age of the children that we were servicing, that we would now, they just felt snatched away. And now having to offer this remote type of a learning experience was unheard of really for our age of children. And the parents, you know, knowing that this was their first experience in sending their children to school and everyone now being in the home together, there were times that the stress of that alone, including for our own staff, took a measure of extra innovative thought in how we maintain staying connected because we quickly realized how all of us depend on the social interactions of our colleagues and our experiences in our workplaces, especially if you know they are positive. None of us have ever, had ever thought about functioning within our own family structures and now being all together at the same time. And so one of the things I jokingly said it, but I was very serious in the sense of that I really wanted our staff to, I cared so much about their well-being that I told them, I said, I want everyone to still be married. I want everyone to still have positive relationships with their children. And because, and I want everyone to maintain their mental health. And so because we were experiencing something traumatic as well as the children, we needed to be healthy still in order to still try to get through what we were going to have to now go through together in learning additional ways to utilize technology that we had never done, additional ways that we were now going to have to communicate and try to continue to encourage our families in a different way that we had never done. And as a leader, many of us that no principal ever had ever experienced doing something like this across our nation. So again, having that culture of care and love helped us come together to want to figure out how we do it and how we make sure families have what they need, but also keeping in mind that we were filling ourselves as well. And so as a result of the pandemic, I know you all can agree in the sense of where the priority now of mental health, where it was always being talked about, but my goodness, it just shot up there for what's most important. And you mentioned Meg Morale. Absolutely. That is priority for me, keeping the morale of this staff high. We have had such tragic things happen across our nation and in the round schools and the tragedy of losing lives of children and adults in school communities. And those are things that we keep at a forefront of a care and concern. When things like that happen, we can't just show up as business as usual. It may have happened hundreds of miles away from us, but it could have been us. And we have to always keep the thought of others in mind. And so part of that culture of love is that we're always thinking about not just ourselves, but how we are fortunate to be able to still be able to do what we're doing and that we're fortunate that we stay safe and that, you know, we're fortunate that we get the privilege to do what we do and to keep a perspective that is positive. So I work hard to do that myself and be a model for that and motivate the staff to focus on being grateful, focus on, on the characteristics of humility and love and honor and value, those things. 
And yes, we're school and yes, instruction happens. But you know why it happens is because people feel loved, they feel valued, they feel cared about, they feel supported. And so when you have those characteristics as a priority for your school community, you will get good instruction, you will get great productivity and engagement from the staff and the families. And so kids come in here running. I I invite you both to come to our first day of school, September the 6th at 8.30. When you see those children come in, we literally roll out a red carpet for them. And to see the families, the parents, the dads welling up in tears, but those kids that get to run in, they're scared at first, but some of them are running in. They're so happy. And the next day where you see them running in on their own, saying goodbye to their parent or at the end of the day, crying because they have to go home. We have done our job when every morning you get that gift of these children coming in. It just keeps a constant reminder of why we're here and what it is that we're called to do together. I I tell people I have the best job ever. It's not a job because I love it. It's not work. Oh my gosh. Amazing. I do truly want to come on the first day. Come on I want the first to attend. Day. I want to attend school yes. with you, you all. Have to, oh. You have to see it, honestly. And we culminate with the greatest graduation you could ever have seen for kindergarten. When I tell you we had our first one in 2021, we had it out on Howard's Field their new football field. And from there, we had to take it on. And now we use Howard. We had it in their auditorium. I mean, it was the babies walking across the stage. They started crying. Am I leaving? I'm not coming back. And so parents, why can't they stay here? (laughs) It is just an amazing, the capping gals, we go all out and It is the most amazing thing because what the message is in that for the children is their entry into their continuation. It's not just the end of something, it's the entry into. And so we help parents understand too, in having such a celebration, because some people are like, why do you, oh, it's necessary because this is giving them the entry into how important it is for them to stay involved in their children's success. And so that's what the message is that we give, that this is the image that you're getting in another 12 years. That's important. And so we have to keep our parents in a positive state. I mean, my goal this year is to meet with every single last one of them. Every single last one of those families, I personally want to sit down with and talk and get to know. And I'm going to do that. Amazing. And do your staff have that same passion that you have, that spark that I just, oh my gosh, can we clone you? Like, a Oh my God, I'm telling you, they are the most amazing group of educators. The parents as teacher staff that are here and home visitors, the adult education, every dual generation staff, the teachers, we love being here and doing what we are to do. There's not a thing that I couldn't ask anyone to do that they wouldn't do. The job description is just there. 
But those things that we know happen from whether it's tying 50 shoelaces a day, whether it's the toileting and the diapering that we all have done and are willing to do for our babies with disabilities, the noses that we wipe, the coughs that we get on and sneezes that we get, it is divine that we stay protected in our own health. Honestly, I encourage the staff and make sure they stay healthy, making sure they have the things that they need. It's little things. They making sure that they have the supplies that they need to wipe down and keep clean and gloves or whatever it might be. We've all had to help our children in toileting accidents and incidents and washing up and cleaning them and doing their hair. It's nothing that we haven't done feeding them. And oh my goodness, I can, I'm just going to get welled up if I keep talking. So it is just watching this amazing group of men and women, because I'll tell you that I am so grateful that here we have the most male staff in any early education center across the state. And I would beg to say (laughs) in far places across this nation, you will see gentlemen in here caring for these children whether they are a parent yet themselves or not. And it just doesn't happen like that normally. And they want to be here. We have our music teacher is a male. We have about six paras who are males here. When I tell you, it's just, we had our male, we had two male kindergarten teachers. You don't find that. No. Three, four, and five-year-olds, you don't find that. And so we're diverse here. We have diversity in age. We have diversity in culture. We love each other. It is amazing because when you are in a predominantly black and brown community, I tell people it's important that children have the opportunity to see diversity, to be able to be loved by people who don't have the same skin color as themselves and experience that love. Oftentimes, whether it's something they have seen on television or have had people that they're hearing talking about that may have been not positive experiences, but they come in here and it is amazing. And guess what? It's not just for the children. It's for us. It's for the adults. Some adults don't get to interact with people that don't look like them. And it's not so much that that's intentional, but it just doesn't happen sometimes, right? organically from the families and communities that we may live in, it just may not happen. Having those experiences and seeing that here, ah, it is just amazing. It really is. And so I desire that what we have here, that I want every child, it just, every child should have that experience and every family should be able to have this experience in their first entry into school. We have so many of our children that have been identified with a disability prior to coming here. That is so important when you have a baby who you now are realizing is disabled. That is a hard thing to accept for many people. And they have to have a certain level of care in that process that they're now going to be coming into this world of what their child will need for the rest of their life with the disabilities that vary, but the care that this staff give is just amazing. It amazes me every day. 
And we love being here. We loved having the opportunity to serve because that's what we're doing. Oh my gosh, Dr. Williams, I need 12 boxes of tissues now because I I was grinning from the minute I met oh you. And now God. I'm crying. I just, you're just amazing. You're a beautiful person. Oh, thank you, you so you much. You are spreading your love, I can see, to your staff and everyone that you touch. Mm-hmm. We know staffing, it's no issue what's going on in not only our field, but everywhere. Yeah. And you talk so lovingly about your staff and how committed they are. Do you struggle with retaining staff, with finding educators, quality educators? If you want the answer to that great question, join us for our next episode airing on October 25th. See you then. XYZ Reflections from Early Childhood Education Professionals is brought to you by the Delaware Institute for Excellence in Early Childhood, College of Education and Human Development at the University of Delaware. Hosted by Irene Ash and Meg Keating. To learn more about the DIEEC and our show, please visit our website, www.dieec.udel.edu. That's www.dieec.udel.edu. For additional information and to stay updated, follow us on social media at UDDIEEC on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's U-D-D-I-E-E-C. Thank you for supporting our podcast. Until next time.